okay? So if God's been working on your heart, I don't know why you'd want to wait. You know, the altar's open. While he's preaching and God tugging on your heart, don't wait. Just come. Amen? Amen? And uh, you do what God minds you to do. All right? Thank you, Brother Dewey. All right, preacher. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Be opening your Bibles tonight to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 in the Word of God. I, about, well, it'll be two years of September, uh, Sunday morning, we came to church, and my mother-in-law did not show up for Sunday school. She was very faithful, had a great ministry in our church, ministered to the shut-ins, did great work for us, and, uh, and she was in my wife's Sunday school class. She didn't show up. My wife called her. She couldn't get anybody to answer. Called the neighbors, and they went over and knocked on the door. So my wife went over and her sister, and they discovered and found her. The Lord had taken her home. And that was between, I got that word just before preaching, and I was afraid of what was going on. And um, it's difficult. It's difficult. These things are difficult. But uh, there's no greater comfort than the Word of God, is there? Amen. And I've often told our people that live your life in such a way that you make it easy on the pastor to do your funeral. Amen. And uh, uh, my, I tell you, sometimes we do some funerals and you're just, you know, you're searching for something to say and you don't want to lie. Amen. And it's tough because people were not like Brother Chuck was. And, and uh, I, you know, one of the people that, I'd always meet here when I came with him, and, and he always had a wonderful smile about him, didn't he? So somebody you'd like to see. But uh, I, believe, I believe he did that. I believe he made it easy on his pastor to preach his funeral. And we're not trying to preach his funeral tonight, but uh, certainly uh, that's upon our hearts, it's upon our minds, and we can't escape that. But I want us to go to the Word of God tonight, and uh, as we finish out this service, and you know, I think uh, if we could hear the course, if we could hear the people in heaven, God would pull back the veil and He'd let them see us and see what was going on here. And I, and I believe the Bible teaches that God does that because the Bible says that there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth than over 99 just who need no repentance. But it said it, that rejoicing was in the presence of the angels. So that tells me that's the saints of God that have gone on that rejoice when somebody's saved. So no doubt God at times uh, lets them uh, view uh, 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 things here. And I think if we could hear Chuck tonight, he'd say, I'll listen to the preacher. And he'd say, preacher, preach the word of God, amen, and worship the Lord. And aren't you glad tonight that we have a God that cared about poor lost sinners, amen? A God who sent his son into this world that took our place, suffered our spot, took our place, and that my sin was laid on him that knew no sin, that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. Because we've all got to die. We've all got to leave here. And I'm glad, praise the Lord, that God has made a way, a provision. And uh, tonight uh, you can find that wonderful salvation. Second Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read the word of God. That will rest you a little bit. And then I want to ask you to... Whisper a prayer for me tonight that the Lord will help us and give us His anointing tonight for this hour, for this time. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered 
and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. When the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me up that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Father, I pray for your anointing and your power. I pray for the touch of God. Thank you for the songs that have ministered to our hearts. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that's given us confidence and assurance tonight of, Lord, that we've not lost our brother. We know where he is. Amen. I'm glad of that. And I pray now you might use me. God, there may be some that need to get in, and they've been waiting. They've been putting off. There may be some tonight that are playing games. They're living a double life, and they're not genuinely really saved. They know that, but their pride has kept them. Oh, what if it had been them today that suddenly, before they could have said, God have mercy on me, a sinner, they were in eternity. I pray you would impress upon them that need God to come clean, that need uh, to come to you in sincerity and call on your name, our Father. Then some who are playing games tonight and they're not sold out, they're not on the firing line, Oh, God, let us, our Heavenly Father, let us stay on the firing line and die on the battlefield with glory in our soul and we'll thank you and praise you for we pray in Jesus' name, amen, and you be seated tonight. Thank you. I want to preach tonight on how to win yourself a crown, amen. Boy, I love this scripture here, don't you? Paul states here, that he has a crown of righteousness that the Lord will give him at that day. And I want you to note this wonderful statement, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Amen. You know what, my friend? I'm glad tonight for that promise, aren't you? Oh, to thank God that we can hear from the Lord Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I make you rule over many things. What a blessing that is. Amen. And I'm glad of that. Jude said in Jude verse 3, It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Uh, I'm glad, listen, this is a battlefield. This is a war field. This is a, uh, the game of eternal life we're in with the forces of evil. But I'm glad there's a crown to be won tonight. Amen. Uh, hey, listen, uh, you can win yourself a crown. Amen. How do we win a crown? First of all, I want you to write this down. If you're going to win a crown, if you're going to win a championship, if you're going to hear well done from the Lord, first of all, you've got to be on the team. Amen. You've got to be on the team. Now, it's interesting uh, that God is the recruiter. Amen. I, I love this time of year. Man, it's getting close to football season. Boy, I like football. Amen. I played football in school. I, I, somebody, they nicknamed me the judge. You know why? I was always on the bench. Amen. Praise <laughs> God. But I... I finally got to play a little bit when I was a senior. Graduated Davy Crockett High School, Jonesburg, Tennessee. Don't you laugh. I'll box you, amen. That's right. The Pioneers. Davy Crockett Pioneers. And in the other side of the county, Washington County, Tennessee, you notice I said Washington, not Washington, amen. <laughs> Over there, the other side of Washington County was Daniel Boone. Now, Davy Crockett was born right on the right on the Washington County line in Greene County near, near Davy Crockett. And Daniel Boone hid from the Indians in Boone's Creek back in the history there. So we had Crockett and Boone. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, we, uh, we played football, I remember. I remember we went down to Cock County, down at Newport. How many of you ever heard the song Tennessee uh, does, uh, Rocky Top? How many ever heard that, huh? You know Rocky Top? Did you know that was in near Newport, Tennessee, where Rocky Top really is? And we went down and played Cock County our first game. Boy, I tell you, that's a rough bunch. I knew we were in trouble on the kickoff as I was chasing a boy, and there was a 12-year-old boy in the stands hollering, Run, Daddy, run. Amen. I knew we were for a long night, praise God. <laughs> hey, 
Man, when you go in there and all of them's got full beards and chewing tobacco and spitting in your eyes, you're in trouble, amen. But I love that game. And uh, when we think about winning a championship, there's some things that we've got to have. There's some things that people have that win, that are successful, that win championships. First of all, let me say you've got to be on the team. And I want you to know that God is the recruiter, amen? Aren't you glad of that? I don't know why in the world God chose me and called me, but I'm sure glad He did, amen? And you know what? When we have uh, uh, ball teams here, and I'm a Tennessee ball fan, and got uh, Brother Jeremy, you know, pray for him. He likes the Bulldogs of Georgia. And um, I'll never forget last year on that one, amen? But listen, Michigan, all that, like these ball teams, don't we? We try to recruit the best, don't we? The fastest, the biggest, the baddest, right? Say amen. amen. Let me tell you, I want to show you who God recruits tonight. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. How in the world God ever won a team, with, won a game with his team, I don't know. Amen. Look who God recruits. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren. How that not many wise men after the flesh, and not many mighty, and not many noble are called. But God had chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things that are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That what? Look at verse 29. Say it with me, church. That what? That no flesh should what? Glory in His presence. Amen. Amen. Boy, I tell you, it's wonderful to be on God's team. Amen. Why in the world He chose you and I, I don't know. But I'm glad He did. Amen. And I'll tell you something else, friend. He'll let you play in the game too. If you're on the bench tonight, you put yourself there. Amen. Praise God. I believe God's got... I believe God's got a place for everybody He calls on His team. Praise the Lord. Oh, an old preacher used to say, God never made a possum that He didn't make a persimmon tree for Him to go up. Amen. Everybody gets saved by the grace of God's got something to do for God. Amen. We ought to get busy doing it for God. Now, some people would be like Brother Chuck, did all kinds of things and did them good, and, and he'll be greatly missed in, in that ministry he had. But I'll tell you what, uh, listen, if he could do all that, why don't you determine tonight in this service, praise God, there's something I'm going to do for God, amen. Hey, maybe, hey, we'll need about 15 or 20 people tonight, Pastor, to step up here. Hey, about 15 or 20 people, about 15 or 20 people to step up tonight and say, I'll take one of those jobs. Say Amen. Yes, sir. Praise God. What can you do for God? Well, Brother Bobby Robertson was telling me, I preached with him in a meeting, and he was telling about being in a church over in Stewart, Virginia. And he said, a uh, little mountain church, and he said uh, they had a, an old uh, pewter pitcher on that uh, pulpit and a glass, and that pitcher was full of ice water. And Brother Bobby told the pastor, he said, Preacher, I don't need that water. I don't drink water when I preach. He said, well, let me tell you about that water, preacher. He said, there's a widow woman here in our church. And she came to me crying and weeping. And she said, Pastor, God's put something on my heart I could do. I can't do a lot, but there's something I could do if you'll let me. He said, what is that, sister? He said, I'd like to be sure that there's ice water for the preachers when they preach, that there's water there for them as much as they need. And I'm going to bring it right out of the spring. I'm going to bring that good mountain spring water and put ice in it. And I'll have a, I'll have a clean glass every week if you'll let me do that. And uh, he said, well, sure. And he told Brother Bobby that. Brother Bobby said, Brother Dewey, I never drank so much water in my life as I did that week. Amen. Said, I just kept drinking and bragging on that water because I didn't want to hurt that sister's ministry that she had, God had given her. You see, dear friend, uh, I, I, I'm glad that the Lord has called us tonight. And if you're not saved, there's a call that goes to you. The Spirit and the bride say, come and let him that's a thirst come and drink of the water of life freely. There's an invitation. There's a call tonight. Amen. Come and join God's team. Amen. Get on the team. And it's the winning team too. Praise God. 
I'll tell you that, it's a winning team. You want to win yourself a crown? Praise God, you must be on the team. Number two, if you're going to win yourself a crown, you must obey the coach. You must obey the coach. Now, by the way, friend, hey, look at verse Look at verse 11 of our text, our chapter 1 of 2 Timothy a minute. And look at verse 11. Whereunto I uh, am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. You see, the coach is the Lord Jesus. Amen. He puts us where we're to play. He gives us the gifts and the abilities. Uh, He's the one that does that. And I want to tell you tonight, what you and I need to do is we need to learn to listen and obey the Lord and live in obedience to Him and not in disobedience to Him. Amen. There's some things God tells us to do and we ought to go ahead and do them. Amen. Won't you go ahead and get baptized if you're saved? What are you waiting on? Say amen. Well, I got baptized and then later I got saved. No, you didn't get baptized. You just got dunked and got wet. You can't baptize a sinner. Amen. You can only baptize a believer. It's believer's baptism, right? Hey, if you've got saved, God saved you by the grace of God. You need the Father Lord in baptism. Amen. That's being obedient to the coach. That's what the coach says. Praise God. He calls the shot. He's the boss. Amen. You better believe it. And he's got some assistant coaches. That's the pastor. You're supposed to obey him too. Say amen. Praise the Lord. Obey them and have the rule over you. That's what the Bible says. You're not going, nobody's ever been a happy Christian that lived in rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Hey, the authority that God has put over our lives is an umbrella of protection that when we stay under that, our families are protected. Our last, I, I've been preaching a lot in my church lately about uh, uh, passing a generational blessing in our lives. You're either going to pass a generational blessing or you're going to pass a generational curse. Amen? It's going to, it's going to depend on what you do. It's going to depend at whether or not, listen, that blessing that you can pass on And you know what? If you're going to be a blessing and pass on a generational blessing, you're going to do it submitted to God, submitted to His will, doing what God wants you to do it, doing it the way God wants you to do it, amen, and doing it in the right spirit, praise God. Amen. Yes. You've got to be on the team. You've got to obey the coach. Amen. What's the Lord want you to do? Is God calling you tonight to preach? God calling some of you young ladies to serve as pastor's wife. I believe that's a calling. I really do. Missionary wife. God, listen, has God got something for you to do for God? Amen. I remember my daddy telling a story about a, we got a deaf department here tonight, about a deaf boy and a mute boy and man in New York City years ago, got gloriously saved. And he's just so full of God, he won't do something for God. He also was crippled. He couldn't, he just walked with a terrible limp. And he went and had a sign painted, a body sign, sandwich sign, and, and had John 3.16 on front and back. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in the morning, he'd get up and eat his breakfast, and he'd put that sign on, and he'd start walking the streets in New York City. That sign. His face lit up. A man got out of the, his limousine. He had his briefcase, and in the briefcase, he had a revolver. He'd lost his business, had gone bad. He was looking at bankruptcy and being ruined. And he, was in the, he went up in the skyscraper, but when he got out of the car, he met this little afflicted fella wearing that sign, happy, smiling. He read John 3, 16, and it dawned on him, this man has something I don't have. He went up to his 
room up to his office, many stories high. He pulled out his revolver, cocked it, put it to his head. Then he got to thinking about that boy wearing that sign. He went over and looked out the window, and sure enough, he could see him down there. See him carrying that sign. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank God he laid his pistol down and fell on his knees and was gloriously, wondrously saved by the grace of God. And I remember him telling how this man's business turned around and he invested in thousands and thousands of dollars in missions and the work of God. Why? Because there's somebody figured there's something they could do for God. Amen. Some way they could lift up the blood-stained banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm glad. Listen, friend, uh, you've got to be on the team. You've got to obey the coach. Number three, amen. If you want to win a crown, you need to get as strong as you can get. Yes, sir. Boy, I'm telling you now, a lot of emphasis put today on strength and conditioning in sports. A lot of emphasis on that. You better emphasize it. If you're going to be out there in those football schedules that they play high school, college, my friend, you better, you better be strong. You've got to get in the weight room before the season starts. You've got to get in the conditioning program and build your body. You've got, to, you've got to get as strong as you can get. I want to tell you something tonight. God wants you and I, when we get saved by the grace of God, He wants us to get as strong as we can get. Amen. In chapter 2 of Timothy, in verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be what? Be what? Strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. God doesn't want us weak and powerless. and He, he wants us strong and bold for God. Amen. I'm glad he, listen, friend, we've got to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you know, did you know how, I mean now, Bodybuilding. I'm going to tell you something. It's the truth tonight. And you're not going to believe this. But this is the truth now. I got this body without steroids. <laughs> what are you doing laughing? You hurt my feelings. I thought you'd be amazed. Huh? Do you know? <laughs> That's the truth. Well, I've always had a Coke bottle figure. I'm proud of that. Of course, it's a three-liter now. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. But I'll tell you something else is the truth now. It's the truth, man. I told him in the Philippines. I preached in a church, and the sister of Manny Pacquiao, boy, he's big in the Philippines. And I told him over, I said, when I was 18 years old, I could whip Manny Pacquiao. And look at me. I said the truth. Hold my hand up. No question about it. 100%. When I was 18 years old, I could whip that fella. I figured up when I was 18, he was four years old. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> well, you know how you get strong? You get strong through resistance. Amen. Resistance. Weights. Pick those weights up. Tears down your muscles. Your body comes back and rebuilds. Builds a little extra. Amen. And you know it's the same way in our spiritual life. You, you can't grow without getting torn down. You cannot mature without the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith is more precious than of gold that perisheth. Amen. And none of us like those things. But in all those things, we're to give thanks. Amen. We're to be thankful to God. Why? God's working in our life. So we can get as strong as we can be. Amen. I want to be strong in the Lord, don't you? I want to be strong in God. You're going to have to, listen, you're going to have to stay with it. And at times, God will knock you down and tear you down. And you'll get knocked down in this thing today. But you get back up, praise God. Amen. You get right back up and keep on going. Amen. You said there's going to be some hard times. Yes, there's going to be some hard times. Thank God there's going to be some hard times. We are to bear reproach for the Lord. Amen. 
I'll tell you what I believe. The contemporary Joe Osteen type Christianity is today. This is what I believe all this stuff is today. It is an attempt of being a Christian without bearing reproach. I believe that's what it's all about. We are told to go outside the gate and bear reproach for the Lord. Amen. Oh, thank God we can be strong in the Lord. Amen. You tear down and then you receive the proper nutrition to build yourself back. You see, friend, that's why you need to be in church. Let me commend you for being here tonight. Church, I know you're hurting tonight and you came on to this meeting and I commend you and the pastor does. God bless you. Uh, you'll be in Sunday school Sunday morning. Amen. And in church, just keep right on serving God. Why? Because, listen, uh, you need to be fed. Amen. Hey, hey, listen, that athlete that is trying to get as strong as they can get are careful about tearing down those months, but then receiving what they need to build it back. Amen. Boy, I'm glad God has what we need tonight so we can be strong. Number four, write this down. If you're going to win the crown, and I apologize, my message is not alliterated tonight. That's very rare for me. But also you must continue in the face of criticism. Amen. In sports, it's called trash talk. How many of y'all played ball? How many ball players we had played sports? Played a few folks? Trash talk. You know what a team will try to do? If they can, they'll try to intimidate you without ever laying a, laying a finger on you. They'll try to intimidate you just with their words, just with their talk. Isn't that the way the devil works, folks? Is he not the master trash talker of all time? Huh? Does he not flood our minds and tell us all kinds of things tonight? Does he not bring all kind of messages to us telling us why you're wasting your time serving God? You're wasting your time reading the Bible. You're wasting your time. You're not getting anywhere. God doesn't love you. All those lies that come from the devil. Listen to me, friend. If you're going to, if you're going to win the crown, you've got to go on in spite of the trash talk. Amen. Over in 1 John, I want to show you this tonight. In 1 John, God says something here uh, in chapter 3 of 1 John. I want you to turn over there, please, and mark this in your Bible. 1 John chapter 3 and verse, uh, notice here, verse 1. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit... But try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Now, I believe that primarily the spirits that he's dealing with here and telling us about here for the Christian, for the believer, are those impressions that come in our mind. We are flooded with messages and impressions and the trash talk of the devil that comes in our mind. And you know what you and I need to do? We need to try those things. We need to test those things. We need to ask ourselves, where would that come from? Huh? If it's contrary to the Word of God, it didn't come from God, I can tell you that. Huh? Those impressions will come. Why don't you just quit? That person over there is talking about you. They're not talking about you. They're talking about coon dogs. Amen. Well, why don't you, oh, man, won't you just get an NIV Bible and get away from that King James. I mean, we have all, the, don't we have all these impressions come to us. How do you know God's real? How do you know the Bible's true? How do you really know there's a heaven? How do you know there's a hell? You see, Satan is a deceiver. And he wants to get a hold of our minds. But the Bible said, and I want to show you a verse of Scripture, Psalms 19. Here is a verse. If you'll memorize this and use this as a prayer as often as you need to, if it needs to be a hundred times a day, you quote this 
When an impression comes to you, something comes to you that you know is not of the Lord, I want you to quote this to God. Psalm 19, verse 14. This is a prayer. Memorize it and say it. Lord, say it with me tonight. Psalm 19, verse 14. Everybody turn there. Everybody turn there in your Bible. Let's do something liberals can't do. Let's read the Bible together, okay? When liberals read the Bible together, it sounds like they're talking in tongues. They've all got a different version, amen? It looks to me like if all these new versions are so great that the liberals will go ahead and settle on one of them. Amen! But they belong to the Bible of the month club. I belong to the Bible of Eternity Club. Amen. Say it with me now. Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. How many of you will try, by the grace of God, to memorize this verse of Scripture and meditate upon it and use it as a prayer to try the spirits and the impressions. And when the devil starts his trice talk, say, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. How many of you would do that tonight? How many of you would do that tonight? It would change your life. Some people doubt their salvation. You know why you doubt your salvation? If you're truly saved, you know why you doubt your salvation? Because the enemy comes and tells you you're not saved. Well, is that of the Lord? Did that come from God? Now, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, you know what the devil will tell you? He'll tell you you're all right. Isn't that amazing? Amen. But not base your salvation on some impression. Down my part of the country, down my part of the country, a lot of this, they'll have some of those churches, they'll have one on one side of a person, one on the other side, and they just about drag them to the altar. Yeah. And there'll be one on one side saying, hold on, and another fellow on the other side saying, let go. <laughs> and the sinner doesn't know what's going on, and they want to base their salvation on praying through yeah. and holding on. You better base your salvation on the Word of God tonight, friend. It needs to be based on what God says. Amen. So when the impression comes, you can take the devil and say, Mr. Devil, here's what God says. God said in Romans 10, 9 and 10, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth salvation is made. Uh, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. I mean, did you sincerely under the conviction of the Holy Ghost call on the Lord, believe on Him, turn in repentance from sin, from unbelief, and turn to Jesus in faith, and God by His mercy came in and cleansed you of your sins, and washed you of your sins, and nobody had to tell you that either, amen. You knew it, praise God. Hallelujah. Song says, I've had two births, one I can't remember, and one I can't forget, amen. Thank God if you've had two births tonight, you'll only have one death. But if you've only had one birth, you'll have two deaths. I'm glad tonight I'm saved, amen. I'm glad I'm born again. I'm glad I've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. But you know that doesn't stop the devil saying, I don't believe you're saved. I tell you, I tell people sometimes, you know how you can cuss without cussing as a Christian? Here it is. Tell the devil to go home. Amen. That's how a Christian can cuss without cussing. You'll get that later in the week. So next week sometime that'll come to you and you'll get that. You folks are slower than I thought you were here. Amen. Praise God. 
Praise the Lord. You must continue in the face of criticism. Go on in the spite of the trash talk. Amen. And then, number five, not only be on the team, obey the coach, get as strong as you can get, continue in the face of criticism. Write this down. Learn and know the playbook if you're going to win a prize. Learn and know the playbook. Now, what is our playbook? Huh? Here it is, amen. Aren't you glad of that? Praise God. I mean, the plays are here. They're found here. In fact, if you'll go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, look what the Bible says there in these very wonderful verses. And verse 15, I know you know 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, but I love it, don't you? The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In the Bible college one night, I asked our Bible students a question. I said, how do we know we're right? What do you think the answer was? What, was, what do you think the answer, and I, I'm not wanting to embarrass anybody, but what do you think the answer was? How do we know we're right? The answer was, because we believe the Bible. I said, that's not a bad answer, but it's not the right one. Most, this morning I was talking to a fellow at breakfast. He uh, was reading something. I said, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading devotion, getting the Seventh-day Adventist. I call them Seventh-day Disadvantages. I believe some of those people are saved, but they've got some horrible things they teach. Soul sleep, annihilation of the wicked. Hey, that, that, listen, is it a cult? If it's not, it's first cousin to one. Well, wait a minute now, wait a minute. You talk to any Seventh-day Adventist person, and they'll tell you they believe the Bible. Am I right? Church of Christ believes salvation through baptism will tell you they believe the Bible. Apostolic people believe salvation is through speaking in tongues, through baptism in Jesus' name, enduring and holding on will tell you, and a lot of them are King James people. So the question comes back again. If you get this, this will help you in your Christian life. How do we know we're right? Here's why. Because we implement the right rules of Bible interpretation. The big word for that, let me impress you, hermeneutics. Did I impress you? Huh? That's the big word. The word hermeneutics means the laws or the rules of interpretation. In other words, if you implement the proper rules of interpretation, Everybody comes to the same conclusion. What are you talking about? I'm talking about things like you interpret difficult verses in light of simple and clear verses. Come on now, stay with me a minute. If somebody teaches a doctrine that will contradict John 3.16... Junk it. Amen. That's our rules of interpretation. For God so loved the world. That does the Calvinist in. Well, they come back and say the world is the elect. Well, if it was elect, God would have said elect. For God so loved the elect. And to make sure we wouldn't miss that, He told us that He is the propitiation for our sins, the elect, and not for ours only, but for the sins, what? Of the whole world. Calvinism contradicts John 3.16. John 3.16 contradicts salvation by works. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever 
believeth on him. Amen. John 3.16 contradicts the doctrine of, of uh, fall from grace and losing your salvation. And whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. We've just taken a real simple, clear verse, well-known verse in the Bible, and we have completely diffused and dismissed three tremendous heresies. How do we know we're right? I'll tell you why. Because we interpret the Bible the way God means it to be interpreted. Let me show you, give you another example of this. The people that go by the Church of Christ, it's the Restoration Movement, it goes back to Alexander Campbell. They believe that salvation is by steps. Confess, believe, repent, be baptized, endure, hold on, get the piano out of your church. You can't have a piano, you can't have music in your church. The piano's from hell, but the pitch pipe's from God, you know. I want to know why the pitch pipe's not sinful. Hey, man. I want to see the verse that condemns the use of musical instruments in the church. See? Now, here's what they do. They go to the book of James. When James said, Abraham, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac on the altar? They go and they take that verse of Scripture and they let that verse interpret the scores of times that the Bible says, was not Abraham justified by faith? He was justified by faith, by faith, not of works. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of works. That one verse in James they used to interpret every verse about salvation by faith. They believe the Bible. We believe the Bible. What is the problem? Wrong rules of interpretation. Because the majority of truths and the majority of verses, and, and, and what James is saying tonight, folks, is simply this. Abraham was justified by works in the sight of man. But he was justified in the sight of God by faith. Amen? See how clear that is? We need to know the playbook. You need to know the place. By the way, we need to know what plays the devil runs. Amen? Boy, he, he plays dirty, doesn't he? He plays dirty. I hate the devil. I hate the devil. If I understand the Bible right, in the millennial reign of Jesus, when Satan's bound by that mighty chain, I believe Isaiah 14 teaches us that the people living here and we that will be in the millennial kingdom will be able to view him chained up in hell. <laughs> That's going to be a tourist attraction of the millennium. I'm going to go a few times and look at it. Amen. Praise God. I tell you the devil has, the devil has uh, enjoyed inflicting pain and on us. But his day's coming. Amen. And we're on the winning side tonight. Praise God. You've got to know the playbook. Number seven, write this down. You've got to stay in bounds so it'll count. Don't scratch. Amen? Second John 8 said, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things that we have wrought, but that we receive a what? Full reward. Amen? Oh, thank God. Listen, there's a race for us to run. I believe Brother Chuck ran his race. I believe he's a man that kept the course and finished the course and, and ran the race, thank God, and kept the faith. I believe that with all of my heart. I look for it. You know what? Heaven's a little sweeter. We got more to go to heaven for than we had just yesterday. Amen. Thank God. Why? Because he played according to the rules. Amen. Then let me hasten and say, number seven, if we're going to win the crown, abstain from harmful things. Abstain from harmful things. We don't want anything in our life that will hurt our testimony. I don't want to be remembered for something wrong, for something harmful or, sick or compromising in my life. You know, it's a blessing. And, and, and Brother Chuck was talking about this individual. 
Not in a bad way. It wasn't a malicious way. But he, he's one of these individuals that I don't have a single good memory of. I don't have a good thought about. And I said that to Brother Chuck, and he started laughing. That's what we were laughing about. He said, I don't either. Now, it, it wasn't mean. It wasn't in the wrong spirit. It's just the truth. It's sad that somebody would be like that, isn't it? That's not the way I have of Chuck Smith. I don't know him like you all did. I wasn't close to him like you all were. But I don't have a bad memory or bad thought. I mean, he was always an encouragement. He has always had a smile on his face. Uh, I, he, he was enthusiastic about the things of God. You could tell he loved the church. Hey, friend, you've got people, you've got people all over church weeping and crying over somebody that the Lord's taken out of here. That's a great testimony in itself. Amen. I've seen people die, and there wasn't anybody sorry. There wasn't anybody. I've seen people die, and the family wouldn't even cry over them dying. Hey, what a blessing when somebody's loved and they're missed, amen? What a blessing that is. What a longing it puts in our heart to go and be with them one day. It's because he was careful to abstain from those things that would hurt him. And then number eight, be coachable. Be coachable. You want to win a crown. Let God, let God speak to your heart and help you to improve and get better. And then number nine, be at practice. You're not going to win a crown if you don't lay out a practice. Listen, tonight, let's get faithful, amen. Let's, listen, I, I believe, uh, uh, you know, we was talking about the verses of Scripture that are misinterpreted. Let me show you another one here. Maybe we can make a point of it. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, turn over there for a minute. I'm going to let you go here just in a moment. Uh, Paul talks about something here in this chapter that's rather interesting. And, and he talks about how that uh, in verse 29 of 1 Corinthians 15, Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Wow, what a verse of Scripture. I believe I'd classify that with the difficult class, wouldn't you, Pastor? I'd put that in the, in the uh, difficult category. But did you know that the Mormons use this verse of Scripture and they have teach a doctrine and they tell people that you can go to them and you can let them baptize you on behalf of somebody that's died. Baptism for the dead. How many's heard of that and aware of that, huh? Well, when you come to a verse of Scripture like this, the first question you ask yourself when you read a verse like this is, what is this verse not teaching? It is not going to teach something that would contradict the Word of God because there's no contradictions in the Bible. Amen? So we know it's not teaching that. That's ridiculous. But I believe what it is teaching is this. That at this great church here, God's taken out a player from the field. A player from the field. And somebody needs to get saved and get baptized and get in the place of the one that's been taken away. Amen. I believe that's exactly, that's what he's saying. Hey, if the resurrection doesn't, if it's not important, if it's not real, what's the use of you and I stepping in the place of those saints that God takes home and doing their duties? That standing, hey, uh, uh, we, uh, the preacher's already said, we need some shouters. Amen. Praise God. I believe there'll be two schools in heaven when we get to heaven. Shouting school and horseback riding school. Amen. And I had a fellow in my church. I don't know if any of you ever knew him. He used to come up here a lot when he was a young man. His name was Fred Arrington. He's a shoutinous little fellow. He is just a little round fellow. I'm telling you, he's a shoutinous fellow. He'd shout at the drop of the hat and he'd drop his own hat. Amen. I mean, he's a shout. I'm telling you, I mean, listen, it doesn't take anything to get him to shout. Amen. 
And I said, I believe God will have Fred Arrington over shouting school in heaven. But I'm determined I ain't going to wait. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and learn to shout now and praise God now and not miss the blessings of it. Amen. Glory to God. Be it practice. Die to self. Hey, good football team, a good volleyball team, a good football team might have a good quarterback, may have good running backs, they may have good receivers. But if they don't have some fellas willing to block, nothing's going to work. Our coach used to say, the team that blocks and tackles the best to win the game. Blocks and tackles. Amen. I mean, when you're a big old boy and you play football, they won't even let you touch football. So they know you even touching. You're never going to touch it. Get down there and block. Amen. If it fumbles, you can touch it then. If it's a fumble, you can fall on it. But other than that, leave your hands off the ball. And you know what? You watch a, your ball team play and they break through there and run that touchdown or throw that ball and they catch that ball in the end zone. Boy, I man, what a quarterback, what a receiver. But hey, listen, there's somebody there keeping that defense off the quarterback. There's somebody made a hole for that running back. As somebody went downfield and laid their life down. They laid their body down in the way. Listen, they ran that interference. They weren't going to get any glory for it, but the team got the score, amen. That's how we need to start working and looking at the things of God. I don't count. I don't matter. Let's, let's just get God the glory and God the recognition, amen. Praise the Lord. And then, let me close and say... Of all things, don't be a quitter. Don't be a quitter. Amen. Aren't you glad? Brother Chuck never quit. Oh, isn't that precious tonight? There's things worse than death, friend. There's things worse than death. I believe quitting on God's worse than death. The damage it can do to your family. Damage it can do to several generations. Thank God for people that won't quit. Thank God when the Lord lets us have the privilege to put on the uniform, to get in the game, to get our noses bloodied and get our uniforms grass-stained and ripped and torn. Thank God to get some bruises and some bumps to get in there for God and stay in that thing till it's over with and hear and, and win the victory. Amen. I'll tell you what, friend, listen, to hear from him, well done. Uh, Paul said, uh, there's a crown laid up for me and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Amen. I don't want to go to heaven. Praise God and hear well done. Amen. We can win the crown tonight. May God help us. To finish the right way. They told the story about a missionary that came home <coughs> on a ship from Africa. On that ship was Teddy Roosevelt. He had been to Africa in a big game safari. The old missionary had been in a hard place. God had used him. He'd seen souls saved and churches started. When the ship Landed, there was a great crowd and a band began to play and he perked up his ears. He said, my goodness, you think they, they've come here for me? Teddy Roosevelt came off of the ship and the parade followed him on through New York and there all alone stood the missionary. And he said, I can't believe I came home with no one to greet me. And the Holy Spirit said, wait a minute, dear brother. Wait a minute, my servant. You haven't got home yet. Praise God. I'll tell you, friend, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we'll be like Him, for we'll see Him as He is. Let's bow our heads tonight. Thank you for your attention. God bless you so much. Listen tonight. I want to ask you a few questions. First of all, how many of you
under this gospel tent, you can say by a lifted hand, Preacher, I remember a time in my life when God convicted me, revealed to me I was a poor lost sinner, lost and undone without God. And I remember the time and the place. I remember the occasion when God saved me. And my life has never been the same since that time. And I have assurance of heaven in my heart tonight. How many could raise their hand and say, I know that tonight. I know that tonight. Hold them up just for a moment. I, I know that tonight, that confidence of salvation. Wonderful, wonderful. You can put your hands down. I appreciate that. That was most everyone tonight under the tent. But I certainly could not see if it was everyone. If that's 100%. And now I want to ask you a second question. Who would be honest? And you'd say, Preacher, I couldn't raise my hand just now. And I'm glad today that it wasn't me. That it wasn't my time. I'm glad that I didn't get that call to leave and go into eternity because I am not sure of salvation tonight. But I want to be sure. Pray for me. Pray for me. I want you to hold your hand high. Let me see your hand high. All under this tent. Yes, sir. God bless you, young man. I see your hand. Who else tonight? Who else tonight? Hold it up high. Let me see those hands. Hold them up high. All in under this gospel tent. Is there another tonight that we could see? Yes, God bless you. Is there another tonight? Brother Dewey, I, I'm not 100% sure. I'd like to be sure, but I'm not 100% sure. Pray for me. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't me today. I'm glad it wasn't me. I didn't go into eternity today. Is there another before we pray? Is there another? Listen, you raise your hand up tonight. Listen, you raise your hand up. Ma'am, let me ask you a question. If somebody could take a Bible and show you how you could know if you died, you'd go to heaven, would you like that? Would you like that? Would you come and let someone do that? Come on. We'll have a lady. Pastor, get a worker here. Young man, you raised your hand. Listen to me just a minute. Young man, look up, up here. You raised your hand. If somebody could show you in the Word of God how to be saved, would you like that tonight? Come on. Let someone take a Bible and show you. Don't put this off now. Slip out of your seat. Right here, you've got a worker. Come right on. That's right. God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, it takes courage. We had to get pride out of the way. Had to get pride out. Is there somebody else? Preacher, I'm not saved. I, I'm not saved. I'm not sure about this saying. I'm tired of living this way. <clears throat> Pray for me. Anyone else? Anyone else? God is dealing with these tonight under this tent. Who tonight? Well, let me ask you another question now. You raised your hand. You said, I know God saved me. I know God saved me, preacher. But now be honest. Tonight, I don't believe you can lose your salvation, but I believe you can lose the joy of your salvation. We can lose our first love. Listen, tonight, preacher, I know God saved me, but I've got away from God. There's some things that's come into my life that should not be in the life of a Christian. I'm being chastened of the Lord. I'm like the prodigal. I'm in the wrong place. I'm with the wrong crowd. I'm thinking the wrong things. I'm, I'm doing the wrong things tonight. I know God has saved me, but I'm not in His will. And I'm not serving Him like I did. I'm not being obedient to Him. I'm not listening to the coach tonight. Preacher, I know God saved me, but I am cold on the Lord. I, I'm not where I should be with my walk with God tonight. You want to say backslid? I don't, it doesn't matter to me the terminology. The main thing is that we get it fixed. We get restored tonight. Who would say, I'm away from God tonight. Pray for me. I've been saved, but I'm away from God. I'm away from God. Who would be like that tonight under this tent? Let me see your hand. I see your hand, young man. Thank you, sir. There in the back. Are there others tonight? Yes, ma'am. God bless you for being honest. Yes, son. Thank you for being honest. Are there others under this tent? Yes, God bless you. Thank you for being honest. Are there others tonight? Are there others tonight? Listen, I want you to get out of your seat and come. Somebody's going to pray with you. Someone's going to help you tonight to be restored in fellowship. And listen, my friend, don't you be ashamed tonight of Jesus. Amen? Hey, listen, we have a debt. He paid a debt we couldn't pay. Now, we need to get busy paying that debt tonight. Sir, won't you come on? Ma'am, won't you come on? Come on. Don't let pride keep you tonight from what God wants you to do and wants you to be tonight. Father, I pray in Jesus' name you'll bless this invitation time. Be with these that are on the altar right now. 
doing business with you and others need to come. Hands have been raised. Many tonight could come, Lord, afresh and anew, rededicate themselves and draw closer to you. We could all be closer to you tonight. And there's some, God, that the devil's, he's run a play on them. He's run a trick play on them and got them discouraged in the joy of salvation they don't have tonight. David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Help them come tonight. Others that have needs, they're praying for lost loved ones and friends. Some tonight that maybe need to come and talk to the pastor about being obedient to God in some of these things, in some of these areas. God, someone you're calling into the ministry, the work of the Lord, I pray there'd be some surrender, there'd be a breaking tonight in people's hearts and lives for your will. God, we could hear one day, well done from you, and not be ashamed and embarrassed at your coming, our Father, but love your appearing. Bless the invitation now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.